Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting, and thanks for joining us on Founders and Friends for another awesome podcast. Let's give a quick shout out to the Cruise Consulting accounting team. We're very fortunate. We have a ton of people at Cruise who work on the monthly books for our clients and get them all set up, due diligence ready, rocking every month, answering all the clients' questions, making all those adjustments. And there's no better moment for a founder and for us, really, when founder says, hey, I think I'm going to get a term sheet. Are my books ready for diligence? And we get to say, yes, they are. Fire away. Send them over. Give them access. That is a great feeling. It's the feeling that lets us know we've done a job very well done. And nothing is better than watching that cash hit the bank account. So if you are a venture-backed startup, you're going out to fundraise, maybe check us out. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. We love what we do. At taping here, I think we have 575 clients. Clients raise over a billion dollars this year. So we know what we're doing. And hopefully we can help you be successful in your fundraise. All right, let's get to the podcast. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Rose Punkunas of Sedozi. Welcome, Rose. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So we've known each other for a couple of years, and you are a total finance nerd like myself. Yes. And you saw a really cool opportunity in where tech meets finance, and you jumped on it. And I'm super excited to have you on the on the podcast to talk about it. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I think we met through uh, Operators Guild back in 2017 or we something did. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Small Was group. it 2017? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. In oh, a few years. That's, that's like dog years. Yes. Well, maybe you can retrace your career a little bit and tell everyone what you're working on and how you had the idea for it. Sure, sure. Growing up, my my parents, uh, my dad's a pathologist and my mom's a registered nurse. So I had almost zero exposure to tech, business, um, all of this startup world. I've always been interested in data, uh, sort of a general, and then also my community. I think those are the three themes that have sort of run consistent um, in my career. And out of college, I, I uh, went to college on the East Coast, majored in economics, and I always knew there was something going on in the West Coast. So I decided to take a research fellowship out in Stanford and so I moved, moved over myself. Uh, my apartment, by the way, was 500 bucks a month in Palo Alto back in the day. What year is that? What year? Uh, I'll, it was 2008. I'll reveal myself. <laughs> 2008. Um, oh, so you got, you got like, I got a really, I graduated business school in 2007. And when I came back to San Francisco, I got like, a one bedroom in San Francisco with parking for twelve hundred and fifty bucks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it was the downturn, right? And like yep. there was so yep. much vacancies in San Francisco and yep. Palo Alto. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the good old days. Yeah. It was actually the rent was five hundred and fifty dollars, but because I didn't have a car and I biked everywhere, um, the rent landlord reduced it to five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> So awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so oh. yeah, so so came out, kind of wanted to see what was going on in the Bay Area. I uh, I came out for a research fellowship and I quickly discovered that I am not fit to do a PhD <laughs> and do research for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm much more operational. I like to get into all sorts of yeah. aspects of the business. So I wound up going to business school, um, had the opportunity to work at Apple. So one of the first analysts on the Apple TV team there. Um, you know, oh, amazing. That's one of my favorite products yeah. actually now. I use my watch. And I exercise and yeah. I do the Apple Fitness and it puts the metrics on the screen. It's like amazing. It's actually like super addictive and cool. 
So yeah. that's, that's amazing. You worked on Apple TV. That's a great product. Yeah, super interesting um, experience. They're just like thinking about how do you stand up a new product line from from music, right? Like all they had was uh, a music at the time and and both the data structure, business model, um, pro like physical products to get the videos out on. Um, so went there and, and wound up actually do a lot, doing a lot on pricing. So our group, because Apple at the time didn't produce any content by itself, our group consulted with all the video, uh, the studios, right? So Fox, Warner, et cetera. And we were helping them with pricing strategy and their digital strategy. Um, so how do you distribute content digitally, right? How do you price it? Um, because suddenly you don't have to print boxes, you don't have to print DVDs and, and you can make a margin on this stuff, right? Um, That's really cool. Yeah. That's a great experience. When, what years, that was like post-business school for you? Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, 20, I started there in 2011 and then I ended in, in 2013 before I went to Uber. Through that pricing experience, I actually got, uh, through my network, got a referral into Uber. They were looking for a pricing manager as they were starting to branch out beyond Uber Black Car and getting into UberX and thinking about how do you, this is even you know slightly pre-surge pricing, like how do you even price UberX, right? This peer-to-peer -peer model, um, someone brings a car onto the platform, what do you need to pay them, um, all, all that stuff. The Uber like evolution in those early years was amazing. It must've been really fun to be there because like, oh, black car, oh wait, we can do this mass market. Oh wait, we have to worry about surge pricing. How do we figure that out? That must've been just like so fast moving and so interesting. Yeah, we can do a follow up podcast just on that to the extent I'm allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Fast is that, uh, yeah, fun is, is, is absolutely one word I would use to describe it. Other words as well. <laughs> I'll let you think about exhausting, the, the exhausting uh, tough. Yeah, 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 et cetera. Um, so, so within Uber, I, I they didn't really know where to put me. So I was running pricing and I reported to the CFO essentially. And that's uh, the first time I got exposure to. Um, month end close, all the accounting processes, all of the financial operations that happens, right? Like you can't just say, oh, I'm going to distribute, you know, a million dollars in promotions and boom, it happens. Like there have to be data pipelines built that, you know, the, the app has to surface that. And how do you, how do you settle those, those promotions and the whole workflow. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of how uh, I started to get into finance and really just love <laughs> the, the the bookkeeping aspect all the way through the strategy and, and new pricing, new model, new business models, et cetera. So I just say like some people think that stuff is boring, but I actually find it like, that's why I work at Cruise. I found it incredibly interesting. And then the ability to like make changes or introduce automation or better reporting or just sharing the results of people. I'm sure you, Uber was probably going so fast that like, all become all of a sudden you had different stakeholders or different groups were spinning up and you had to like really keep an eye on things as the company was growing. And I always, I always heard like crazy stories of Uber. We, I think we had an accountant at Cruise that used to work at Uber and like you guys were using bill.com for the payments, but the bill.com was breaking because you had like 50,000 vendors you were paying. So like you were breaking bill.com, which yeah. blew our mind. But that was like the scale that Uber was at, right? It was like a crazy, crazy, amazing scale. Yeah, and and QuickBooks too. So imagine being on QuickBooks. Oh, were you guys um, running QuickBooks? Yeah. That way, that way deep, back, that way back. Yeah, when I joined, we were on QuickBooks. Oh god. Um, but yeah, to to your point, like a lot of people think like audit, like uh, you know, all of these things are not that interesting. But like, I remember one of my in most interesting experiences was trying to explain the surge pricing algorithm to our auditors and how the price gets calculated and the data pipelines and the systems that it goes through to surface onto your app and to the driver's app of uh, what the price is. <laughs> but I guess like fast forward, you know, I, I, I ran pricing, which also included promotions and driver incentives, 
And one of the things that we had, to, we ran our business weekly at, at, during a period of time, and we would be signing off on 50, 60, like tens of millions of dollars every week on request approval, right? Like imagine like pur purchase requisitions being sent for promotions in a certain city and driver incentives in a certain yeah, city. Yeah. And uh, we wanted to build in custom software in-house to, to manage that because at that volume, it didn't make sense to go through email and Google forms and other systems that yep. most companies have stood up to, to do these approvals. That's crazy. That's a lot of money to be spending on just promotions, but that was kind of the, at that time, it was like a race to get the drivers, right? Like that was what it was all about. And 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 then the, the riders will come. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wound up running large chunks of the P&L, including the US and Canada P&L um, for a number of years. And, and the company got really big. So I wanted to do the startup thing again. And so I went to Funbox, which is how we met through Operator Field. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Funbox is a, a B2B technology company that uses data science to help make lending decisions to SMBs. And I, I was VP of finance there reporting to the CFO, or sorry, CEO. And um, while we didn't have these promotions and all these like crazy volume of money that Uber was spending, uh, we did have very similar challenges, you know, like the CTO or the head of data wanted to buy um, needed needed certain vendors, needed certain software. They they needed additional seats on 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 some sort of softwares that they had, and we actually stood up internal processes to sort of manage that. Right, like we were way too young for Coupa or anything else at that point, but we yeah. did need something to manage those requests. And ultimately, I think just in general, I mean, you probably see it. Like the industry is changing, where finance and accounting is. They're not just reporting on data in the past. They're really starting to partner with the CEO and the business to think about, well, where is the next best investment, right? Like where should we spend our money and the, get the highest ROI moving forward? And and that's kind of the shift that uh, I saw happening, at least in, in my world there. And it, it is, it's getting more real time. It's getting more, um, the hooks are getting in everywhere instead of just being a reporting thing. It's an operational thing, which yeah. is cool, which is Absolutely. really cool for, for folks like us. Yeah. And then also there's the whole, like, are we making smart decisions? Are we, do we have all the info, not just like the financial info, but like contractual info, how long is this, how long is this relationship going to yep. run for, yep. you know, all that. And I, that, I think that's where you're going, but it's, it's like, you need that kind of stuff, not just like numbers in, in QuickBooks to know, to make a good decision nowadays. Yeah. And I think that's what's really exciting about what you're doing. Yeah, no, QuickBooks. But is I don't great. want to steal your thunder. No, Keep going. No, I Keep mean, going. You're, you're, this is exactly what we're we're building for. We're building for you know finance leaders like yourself and and others at, at companies where today it's not sufficient to just look at well what you know what does my Charlie account say for this last month right like that's absolutely necessary. You need to have your right historical data, but um, really supplementing yeah. that information, particularly for vendors, um, headcount as well, like okay, well, what's the relationship with this vendor? How many years did we sign this contract for, right? Like what, what's our yeah. what's our commitment for the next 24 months? And can we even wind this down if we need to do some cost cutting? So having sort of your, your vendor database connected with your QuickBooks and having that budget tracking all in one system, um, that's what we're building here at Sudozy. I love it. And maybe my favorite part is like that contractual information, right? And yeah, like yeah terms of service. And that to me is what, like when you told me, cause you, I've been very fortunate. I've actually been in the loop on this maybe since almost like day one for you, maybe like two years ago. Day I can't negative, remember exactly negative what it was. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But you were like, Hey, this, 
I have a crazy idea. I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And even like right just before we turned on the mics here, I was telling you that like we put a lot of our contracts for our vendor contracts in in box. We we use box, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's not tied to anything. It's not tied to like the charges or it's not tied to QuickBooks. Or I can't look and see what's actually happening or like when does our renewal come up on right, stuff right, or right. get a renewal alert three months in advance so I can start negotiating a better fee with that vendor. You know, there's a lot, there's just, a, there's a lot of leverage and a lot of information. I, I think what's, what I think is cool about Sadozi is like, you're putting it in one place and you're hooking it up into like the accounting system, yeah. which to me is like really, really powerful and really cool. Exactly. I, I think you, know, you, you've just shared very common use case of our customers where you have this box folder, it's, it's well organized. But still, you don't have a, a digital layer of the the information in there, yeah. right? If can you chart your your uh, renewal dates for the 30, 40, 50 contracts you have in there, and and if you were in a large organization, if you got a purchase request coming your way, do you know how much that department is off from their BVA and what contracts they've already signed for the next year, right? So having all that all in one place, um, sure, as, as a as a COO, you you get asked like, hey, can I buy this guy? And you're like, well, what's the first thing you, you try to find out? <laughs> like, how much have you spent so far? Oh, totally. And <laughs> yeah. and you made the point of like, it's well, ours is well organized now. But that was because we did like a giant spring cleaning like three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it wasn't well organized for about four years. And, you know, I would venture because we organize some of that stuff for our clients. I know most of our clients are not super well organized on that stuff, too. And so that's a big that's a big assumption. But the other thing is. And I thought this was really interesting because you had a really good anecdote. I think it maybe was at Scale Factor when you went mm -hmm. there. Maybe tell that anecdote because because I think it like really encapsulates the Sadozi Sadozi yeah. system and like how it could be useful. You know, because you didn't have the system when you went to Scale Factor and were running finance at Scale Factor, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I was a CFO at Scale Factor for uh, a number of months, and unfortunately, the company went down during COVID. But um, while I was there, we were trying to figure out. Well, you know, if we were to cut X dollar amount from our uh, burn every month, where would we go? And one of the places we actually saw was like, hey, we're, we're not coming into the office so we can, you know, reduce our lunch cater. And unfortunately, uh, the lunch cater had auto renewed the, the person who was responsible for it. Gr great person. But again, like the, re the contract was in a folder. There was no digital component of that date. There were no uh, workflows that were triggered based on it. And um, and, and yeah, and, and maybe you have a good relationship with that vendor. You can, you know, negotiate some things after the date, but it's always, you're in a better position if you go ahead of time. Right. Um, and so yeah. that's, that's what we're trying to help our customers and, and our customers have, uh, even if you just catch one or two renewals, it, it's kind of a positive ROI on the software already. Oh, for sure. Well, also like when you were explaining the, that, that anecdote is like, you also spend a lot of time looking for the contract and trying to find it <laughs> yeah. and parsing yeah. through the contract and like all stuff that's like not really value add. Right. And right. that's why right. I think inter hooking it into the accounting system is so powerful because it's right there. It's like in your vendors, you know, yep. you just look yep. at it. Yeah. So I don't know. That really hit home with me. Anyways, I'm really glad you built this. Like this is so maybe talk to everyone about like the product, the paint, like the use case. And then yeah. you said like my kind of, and I don't want to overly focus on the contractual aspect and how it's linked in because that's that's my 
Like I totally latched onto that, but maybe explain some of the use cases other people have too. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're giving finance leaders sort of three key capabilities. One is um, transparency of their data. So you have the data in Box or QuickBooks and it's, it's there, you have access to it, but it's not consolidated in sort of a finance HQ, if you will, right? And so giving transparency to the data you already have. The second part is uh, collaboration. As a finance leader, you are really building relationships with um, your VP of engineering, your marketing leader, all the different departments in the, in the team that you have. And so having a tool where they can access their sliver of the data that the permissions are already set, um, that helps with the collaboration between those teams. And the third point is really um, speed to make decisions, right? So you have the data there, you have the right collaboration, you're able to make have higher confidence in the decisions you're making and, and be able to make those decisions faster. And, and you know, we, we work, I would say primarily right now with venture backed startups, but we've actually had yep. some, uh, we have some customers that are in oil and gas and in nonprofits, right? And so Interesting. it's like, well, how does a nonprofit run their back office? Well, they have email <laughs> and they have invoices and they have vendor contracts. And so if we can make those organizations more efficient, then their donors' dollars go a, go a longer way, right? And um, and so there are, there are a number of organizations that this can be applicable for. Hey, it's Scott Orn, and we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to give a shout out to the Cruise Tax Team. Gosh, it's so nice to have an in-house tax team. I can't even tell you. Uh, we have some really amazing professionals on the team. It's over... I think it's 13 people now. And we do everything from your federal state income tax return, state franchise tax filings, R&D tax credits. Those are pretty popular these days. And guess what? They're there for you when you go through diligence. A lot of people don't know this, but you actually go through tax diligence, not just operational kind of financial diligence, but you do go through tax diligence. So it's nice to have Vanessa Cruz on the phone with your VCs and with the accounting firm they hired to diligence all your stuff and the law firm. They hired to diligence on your stuff. Vanessa knows what she's doing. She's done this a million times. And uh, and not it's not just Vanessa. We have a really great team of tax professionals that will do those calls too. It's it's kind of sometimes the difference between getting around closed or having it take another two weeks because something was disorganized and the tax compliance wasn't done correctly. We hear those horror stories from clients that come to us. So, hey, if you want Cruz's tax team on your side, we're here for you. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. Thanks. And there's another aspect of this is like it integrates with QuickBooks. You're working on NetSuite right now, I believe. But it's it this is a little bit of a rite of passage type of solution. Like as you start scaling, it's good for everybody probably, but as the company starts getting more and more complex and different people start coming in the company, yeah. that's, that's what people sometimes underestimate is like when a company is really scaling, they'll bring in a VP of finance and they'll bring in an accounting coordinator or manager and then they'll bring in some staff accountants and like having this already organized in one place, especially as you like make a transition from QuickBooks to NetSuite, say like the yep. very common yep. transition in a scaling company to do that, to have this in Sedozi where it's like already there settled and then you can make that connection. Like to me, this is like a really amazing system for like the growing finance team or growing, whether it's a startup or just a more mature industry company that just needs this visibility. It's, it's pretty exciting to me. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Uh, part of the, the workflow that we provide is an approval chain. So you can actually, you know, you can customize your approval chain. Um, but what we've actually found is 
people are partly using it for approval and sort of audit reasons, but half the use case is actually just visibility, right? So if you want your AP manager to see the approvals, they don't need to be on, you know, they don't need to click approve, but they can see, oh, Scott said approve, but only pay this invoice if X happens, right? So oh. that, that context there is so important to having your growing finance team feel included and and being part of the team right you don't want them to just operate in isolation and be paying bills all day <laughs> yeah or they don't have it you're right about the context because like something happened the other day where one of our finance persons approved like a tax software bill but without really knowing what was really going on and i was like oh if you go back a couple like six months ago we already paid a portion yeah, of this yeah, yeah. because i know that vendor i know that vendors billing practices are really poor mm -hmm. and they we we're constantly constantly like reconciling and fixing stuff that they mess up and so but she didn't know that and so i had like you're exactly right that context would have because she was actually running the group at that time she just uh -huh. i just made the payment so yeah. you're right that's a really good use case of like oh rem i remembered it because i made that payment but it would have been helpful for her if she would have been copied on the original emails from like december yeah so if you could digitize those emails and like store them in yeah. you know the vendor our vendor page um you can also because yeah. we have that integration quickbooks you can actually see the prior transactions with that vendor as well um sort of get more of a fuller picture before you make a decision or uh, have higher confidence on your decision that's really cool yeah. and then are you so you said like it's like some oil and gas and some nonprofits and not just startups is there a size that you're having a lot of success with? Like I tend to talk in terms of like, cause I'm a startup person, like series A, series B, mm -hmm, series mm -hmm. C. I would yeah. think it'd be like the series B, series C companies that would be, you know, kind of right up your alley. Yeah. So as all things, it kind of depends, but you're right. Like series B through D um, you're getting to that point, several, you know, low hundreds of people in the company. You don't know everyone. You may not yeah. even know everyone in the finance and accounting team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're trying to sort of have a lightweight process to kind of manage all of this, right? I'll, I will caveat yeah. and say we do have some much younger companies that have more physical inventory and um, or or other assets that they want to keep track of, whether they're they have multiple vendors in, in different markets or things like that. So it, it's a little bit more proportional to vendor size as well, vendor and headcount complexity. But overall, you know, your typical, you know, series B through D company um, trying to keep things in check as they grow fast. It makes makes total sense. And it's a SaaS subscription model, right? Like people sign up for like a year or something like that. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. You know, pay pay monthly kind of thing. We have an annual payment, um, annual upfront. So typical uh, SaaS upfront payment. But, you know, happy to chat through different use cases, you know, especially for nonprofits and, and whatnot out there. And then I don't know, I we I don't know how much of this you disclose, but like you actually have raised like some pretty serious, you know, seed financing. Uh, I don't are you I, is, is that OK to talk about? Yeah, it yeah, we can we can definitely talk about it. Um, so we've been fortunate to partner with uh, ParaVC. Um, so we've raised uh, 4.3 million between pair um, S3 ventures. They're the largest VC in Texas, mm -hmm. um, along with Mischief um, and a number of uh, really amazing angel investors as well. Yeah, because I actually love pair because I used to go down there like five years ago, maybe more <laughs> when we first started my first joint cruise and I would do like little talks and they were in this well, I don't know if they're still the same building, but it was like a almost like a converted house or office or something like that. And it was like, it was incubate. It was like the real incubator kind of thing before everything got really cool and overhyped and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really great yeah. fun to have behind you.
probably the best thing if you're a customer listening to this podcast is like Rose is a finance professional. You know, you're kind of like a finance professional first. And I think that's probably reflected in the product and probably reflected in where you're going. So I, if, if I was a potential customer thinking about this, like I'd actually draw a lot of comfort from that. You're not like an engineer because like, I don't know if this happens to you, but like a lot of times we will, people will kind of know Cruise and they're like, okay, I want Cruise to like mm-hmm. sell this to their client base. Mm-hmm. And so that it'll be like someone who hasn't really lived some of these pain points they're more, they're like 100% engineer person. And that, and there's room for that too. And they're, the people like that have built great products, but they have a hard time speaking our language sometimes or understanding how it fits into the monthly close or why it's only half the solution or things like that. And so I think that's actually bodes very well for you because you, you're a subject matter expert. And the, as the product grows, there's going to be a lot more stuff that you fill in because from your experience and from your conversations with the finance professionals who are actually using it. Yeah, Scott, I'll, I'll nerd out all weekend on uh, accruals and allocations and justifications for for different things and how uh, the PL should be structured. And I've literally spent weekends forking different Excel sheets so that you know the CTO has one version of it and uh, the marketing leader has another version of it, and, and just living through. Uh, you know, all the shortcuts <laughs> on Excel and Google Sheets now. Um, and so I also, you know, we, we discussed, but I have a one and three year old. And so I, I wouldn't be crazy enough to do this if I didn't see something in this, yeah. um, you know, data world happening in on the finance side. There's something there's something here for sure. Is there any like things that are coming down the pipeline? Any cool new features or I don't, you don't have to break any news here. So if, uh, <laughs> if you want to keep it close to the chest, that's okay. Yeah. Well, but is there anything or any events that people should be looking for or subscribing to your LinkedIn feed or Twitter feed or something like that to keep an eye out? Yeah. Well, we have a, a absolutely fantastic um, product and engineering team. Um, we have a number of new features coming out. Um, I, I'll say, you know, obviously live with QuickBooks, our NetSuite is in beta. So if you are on NetSuite, um, definitely interested in, in chatting and partnering with you in our sort of real-time budget tracking feature. You know, one of the things I'll say is if you are thinking about having sort of a finance HQ, it doesn't make sense to just submit requests for vendors, right? You want to partner with your uh, department leaders on any sort of spend requests they have, whether it be new headcount, equity, um, one-off bonuses, uh, vendors, contractors, the whole spectrum of spend, right? Why does it matter if it's a W-2 employee versus a contractor that's costing 200K? It's still 200K of investment that the company needs to make and having that all in one yeah. platform. So that's kind of the general direction we're going and and yeah, we'll have tons of new features. You can find me on, on LinkedIn. Um, so actually I'm using my maiden name there. So Rose Long, V-H-O-N-G. And of course, sudozi.com, S-U-D-O-Z-I.com. I love it. And S-U-D-O-Z-I, is it yeah. .com? You got the .com. It is that I got the awesome. .com. Yeah. Sudozi is counting is beans. Sudozi, is this like Sudoku puzzle? Is that how it's related? Or what's, um, how'd you come up with that name? No, Sudozi. Well, I, I've, I've abbreviated it a little bit, but it's actually Sudozi. So that's counting beans in Chinese. Um, so it's a spin oh. on sort of the bean counter uh, situation. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, this is awesome. And I'm just, thank you for including me as part of your journey. And I was very flattered when you reached out a couple years ago with the idea. And it's really cool to see how far you come. Like it's the, the flip side of that, you know, being a finance professional and knowing the market is like, it is hard to execute on building technology. And it's, it's really hard. And I've been super impressed with how fast you got this to market, how nice the product looks. 
it's really amazing on your QuickBooks integration and NetSuite's coming. So kudos to you. Like you're doing a really good job and I'm excited to see where you take the company. Thank you, Scott. Really great to work with you and just get your feedback along the way. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much. You know where to find Rose and check out Sudozi.com. All right, Rose, thank you so much. All right, have a good one. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Scotty Olm.